All right, we are live. Good morning, good afternoon, good night to wherever you are in the world. We Daniel and Asia, nice. Um, Jake from New York, and this is Stock Talk episode 19. We're going to be talking about Tesla earnings, Microsoft earnings, Visa earnings, Intel earnings, and maybe some Stock Talk, which we know is a crowd favorite where we take stocks from the chat. There are a ton of good mornings in here. KP14, Holly, hello, Emil, Jonathan, Dominique, DM, uh, sorry, DXM83. Great to see all of you, and we really appreciate all the interactions in the chat. I mean, Daniel, we have so much to talk about. Do we just want to hop into <laughs> Tesla today? I'm excited. I woke up with a lot of energy here. So yeah, it's funny. You're waking up. It's like nighttime for me, but it's all good. We're going to get it. Okay. I'm going to share my screen. And yes, let's talk about Tesla first, because they reported some interesting earnings over the past week. So let's take a look here. I have some screenshots. So Tesla one. Okay. So what I have underlined here is basically everything that I want to talk about. This is their income statement. We can see that their automotive sales grew by about 25% year over year in the third quarter. Now, what's also interesting is their energy storage business essentially doubled year over year and their services and other business went up by 70% year over year. So the energy and service business is growing like pretty freaking well. Also their total revenue, I believe it was up like something like 33%. So these are strong numbers of growth. But what I also noticed is the automotive, this is the uh, cost of revenues right here. So the automotive sales cost of revenue basically increased with the revenue, the total revenue that they generated. So you can see the revenue grew by about 5 billion, but the cost of that revenue also grew by 5 billion. So they didn't really make any more gross profit off their automotive sales. Um, what's also interesting is their energy generation and storage cost of revenues last year was more than the revenue. So they have a negative gross margin on this business. This is almost the same as their services business. And then this year, basically the, the gross margin is like less than 10%. So the energy generation and storage business and the service business for Tesla really doesn't, as of right now, it's really not making any money. It's, it's actually probably losing. Money. Um, what's also interesting though, is they're selling general and administrative expenses declined by about 50% year over year. So that's good to see. Overall income from operations was up 1.3 billion, but you can see right here, again, the revenue increased by 5 billion, but the income from operations is up 1.3 billion. So, so just so, to make sure we're all following along here. Growth of revenue, but also not growth in gross profit. But you're saying a lot of their profits are coming from them lowering their general and admin expenses, meaning that they're spending less on all their employees. Basically, um, basically what I'm seeing in the income statement is like revenue grew pretty well, but their margins across the board declined. The gross yeah. margins declining, um, operating margins declining. Like that income statement is decent to see the growth, but expenses are growing with revenue, which means that margins are going down. And uh, pretty significantly as well year over year. That's interesting because we all know that they're lowering their prices too uh, for competition as well as demand. The other interesting angles of this is there's also other car companies that really on paper can't lower their margins on their EVs because they're already losing, but Tesla does have positive margins. Another thing I'd love to get your opinion on, Daniel, is we have talked about Tesla a lot on this channel before. The valuation of this company is incredibly high. It's a huge debate whether or not that valuation makes sense. But I will at least say from my point of view, Based on what I'm seeing about them doubling their energy business, this is more than a car company. Although right now they are making most of their revenue from cars, that's not their only line of business. So 
I technically agree with the street that they're not trading at multiples that you see normal car companies at. But now to be clear, I'm not trying to justify and say that I agree with the free cash flow and earnings income multiples they are trading at. I'm curious what you think about that. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I would agree. They're not really just a car company, but, you know, like 80 80% plus is coming from automotive still. Their other businesses are growing, but their other businesses are still losing money. So we're going to see how those play out over time. Um, what is interesting is their cash from operating activities also declined by about a third over the past year. But what's also, what I did like to see is, you know, they grew revenue by 33% and their capital expenditures grew by like 2%. So their CapEx isn't really growing with the revenue, which is good to see. But the operating cash flow, again, is down a third year over year. So they didn't release their 10K yet. So I'm not sure why this is. I would have to look at the 10K when it's released to understand more why their operating cash flow is down so much. But this basically just means that their free cash flow dropped year over year and their free cash flow margin dropped as well. So across the board, margins are dropping. Profitability was dropping. Yeah, and we, we had a good comment from the chat here kind of saying, I don't understand what all the hoopla is about the margins. Just from what I can see, it's because they're comparing it relative to other car companies. So that's the frame of reference. But yeah, we're not gaga over it either, I guess we can say. But the revenue growth is nice. For me, this is one of those stocks where everyone is talking about it. Everyone is looking at it. That just makes me not want to touch it. And I, I want Tesla to succeed. I'm an Elon Musk fan. I'm a fan of EVs for, um, you know, the environment purposes, all that. Not going to go on a rant there. But just in terms of being a long-term investor and trying to find good value-based investments, it does not feel like there's a lot of meat on the bone here for someone like me who likes to buy and hold. Maybe that'll be a mistake in five or 10 years, but I'm fine letting some pitches go by since there's just a lot of other stocks out there that are, in my opinion, trading at a more fair value relative to what they're producing and have less eyes on them. So I'm you know, battling less people to get in on these deals while everyone's gaga looking at the shiny diamond Tesla going down, you know. There's other way more boring businesses there that are also growing. Yeah, it's it's like the most popular stock in the market. So you're definitely paying a significant premium for popularity right there. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with you. Like the growth is nice. I don't like the margin compression that much. And I, I don't like the multiple. It got to a decent multiple, not like a cheap multiple, but now it's up, you know, 70% from the bottom again. So now it's like already, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be buying it here personally. Yeah. One of the most hyped, hyped stocks of all time. Were there any, anything else, any other earnings statements that you wanted to go through? I was going to pull up the balance sheet, but the only thing I had on the balance sheet was that their cash position is growing organically. So they are still generating cash flow. They have $22 billion of cash. Um, basically, the company is not going out of business. Like, they're doing fine. They're going to be fine. You know, they're not going anywhere. They're a great company. I just personally don't like the price tag on it. So that's my thoughts. Are you rooting for them though? I mean, are you like a fan of Tesla? Not not talking about investing, just the company in general. Yeah, I, I don't want them to go anywhere. I think they're great. I think they're they're disrupting the automotive industry. Like basically every car company now is trying to fight Tesla in the electric vehicle market. So they've changed the industry for the better, in my opinion. So I don't want them to go anywhere. I want them to succeed, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I want to be an investor either. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well. This is a, probably a good segue into a quick stock unlock update. We have been asked a lot to build a portfolio tracker. We also as investors have had a lot of difficulty with this. Daniel, do you want to share your screen and show on it the portfolio tracker a bit? <laughs> I'm on it. And the, 
this will be a, a brief blip and then we're going to hop right back into earnings. But uh, I could say on the engineering side, this has been hundreds of thousands of lines of code. Shout out to the about 100 beta testers who are subscribers who opt into testing the portfolio tracker with us. And it has been a wild ride. The reception has been pretty positive. So if you're a dividend investor, you might want to give that one another refresh on the page. Yeah, I'm not on the best Wi-Fi and I'm live streaming. So <laughs> this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt my laptop and the internet for a minute. It's all good. I can try to bring it up as well. Yeah, you uh, might have to. Wait, wait. Okay, sorry, what were you saying? I, mine, mine's loading super, super fast, so it's your Wi-Fi. Okay, yeah, here we go. So we released our portfolio tracker, what was that, a few days ago, JK? Yeah. Yeah, and this portfolio tracker has dozens of features, and a lot of these features a lot of other portfolios um, trackers do not have. So for example, I'm pretty sure everyone probably knows by now that we analyze and grade the fundamentals of every stock on stock unlock. I believe we analyze and grade over 90,000 different stocks. So in addition to being able to see your portfolio diversification and all of that good stuff, you can also see how your companies are scored in your portfolio. So right now you can see my overall portfolio has an average score of 3.34. The majority of my stocks are in the average rating. 11% are very good. 33% are good. And there's just so many different features here. Like if I want to compare my portfolio versus the S&P 500, can easily and quickly do that right here. We can see I'm currently beating the S&P 500 and we just got so many different breakdowns. Dividend breakdowns, dividend analysis. I mean, a lot, like literally dozens of different features here. So we're super stoked with our portfolio tracker. If you guys have not checked it out, um, make sure you do. And we're also increasing our price on February 1st. But if you are a subscriber before February 1st, you will not have your price increased. So Go and check out the portfolio tracker. And if you want stock on a lock at our cheaper price, make sure you subscribe before the 1st of February and then your price will not increase. And then you will save about 40% on the price. Yeah, and a quick engineering plug, uh, just based on the metrics, you know, getting a lot of usage. We support simple portfolios, which is a back test as well as advanced. And what's one of our most used features is our CSV upload. So you could easily just export your holdings and upload them. If you have any issues and reach out to support, going to be me answering you we also have a free discord that we do not charge for anyone can join and we always have great stock conversations there you can just chat to us directly if email is not your thing but anyways yeah let's hop back into earnings because i think we have microsoft next i think that we are both shareholders of microsoft to be oh you are not nope. okay nope i have a lot of talking notes prepared i know that you might have some things to share did you want to kick this one off because I, uh, I'm looking to debate with you a little bit on this one. All right, fine. I'll kick it off. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, I thought that, you know, I looked through Microsoft's earnings and like, I mean, I think they're, they were okay. I wasn't like blown away. Um, revenue grew 2%. Basically, all profits were down. Different areas of their business were declining. I think the key areas of their business, like the cloud, and um, there was one other area of the business that was growing like super well. So that was good. But overall revenue grew by 2%. Um, cash flow was down. I believe that the free cash flow the business generated in the fourth quarter actually didn't even cover the dividend. So I didn't love that either. Um, yeah, like, I just didn't think that it was a great report. I think Microsoft is a great business, but I think the multiple on it for me right now is still just way too high. I don't think that it's cheap by any means. I agree 100%, especially when you're doing a cash flow analysis on it it is trading at a pretty high price of free cash flow. And the one thing I did not really like either, as you said, Daniel, is the dividend uh, 
as I mentioned with the free cash flow, but I think there's a little bit more than meets the eye here. So looking at that 2% revenue, Microsoft, in my opinion, is way too big of a business just to look at that one revenue number. And they actually break down the revenue into several different categories. So if you look at the revenue breakdown on the different categories, they actually had 6.7% revenue growth on their productivity and business processes. That is um, Microsoft Office, things like that. That's a subscription-based service. The intelligent cloud, which includes Azure, was up 17.8%. So you're wondering, why did the revenue only grow 2%? Well, their personal computing in terms of actually selling physical products as well as Windows products was down negative 18%, even though that is one of the smallest portions. And I will share my screen actually, just because I have a graphic up here. So here's the, I'm gonna give the bear, uh, sorry, the bull case for Microsoft right now, in my opinion. They're definitely restructuring. This was not a great report, but like you said, this is a company that's not going anywhere. They have 15 billion in cash, tons of subscription-based revenue that's constantly coming in. So this company is not going bankrupt. You know, you don't have to worry about the business going anywhere. I do think you should be worried about valuation. Like I am a shareholder and this is not financial advice. I am holding. I think they're trading above fair value right now. So I'm not eager to add more, but I'm very happy uh, holding the shares currently. This just gives a little bit more of that breakdown that I was talking about before and some of these numbers I just brought up and you could see how they break down their different sectors. What's interesting is they are down in gaming, but they're trying to buy Activision Blizzard, which is now up in cahoots with the basically legal authorities in the United States. People don't know if they're going to block it. In their report, they said they're working hard to close it before the end of 2023, but very much left the door open that this could, you know, they could get a kick in the in the rear end there from, hmm. uh, from everyone. What's interesting about this report to me and kind of what I've been seeing across the electronics industry is that gaming and electronics in general seem to be down quite significantly year over year, which is going to really interest me to see um, Apple's earnings because over 50% of the revenue comes from the iPhone. So if every other company is reporting a massive decline in product sales and the electronics industry in specific, then Apple's earnings are going to like... I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know if their sales are going to hold up or not. I'm speculating they're going to be down. Yeah. I mean, everyone went on a buying frenzy during COVID. And, yep. you know, once you have new tech, usually you're not going to replace it every year, even though these companies want you to. So it does end up being a bit cyclic. Another thing I thought was interesting, Daniel, in terms of their profitability, that immediately caught my eye. But I did more digging. So in 2022, they reported a little bit over $2.3 in general and administrative expenses. And I was like, whoa, because... In 2021, it was just shy of 1.4. So like, what the heck? I kept on reading through their 10K, the raw SEC filing, and I found out that in this report, they added 800 million of expenses for the layoffs that they called severance, which they added to the general admin. So doing a little bit of financial math here, if you take away the 800 from the million, from the 2.3 billion, it looks a little less concerning just in terms of what they're spending on that line item there. So. Again, this is just one of those reports where I have mixed feelings on it as an investor. And like I said, I'm a hold right now on this expensive and great business. So we're going to have to see what they do. Obviously, OpenAI needs to be talked about here, right? So they are doing another 10 billion investment in that. That is a huge question mark for me, honestly, because my theory on that, and for those who don't know me, I've been a software engineer for 10 years. My concern is that chat GPT is just the first of infinite of these bots and that they will actually become a dime a dozen in the future as they become easier and easier to create. So what Microsoft is trying to do is like a money grab of how can we 
finally try to get ahead of Google in some ways of capturing like search marketplace share where they can then sell more ads to integrate this open AI and things like that into their products. I'm also a shareholder of Google and I just think that is going to be a wild fight to see breakdown, especially when these companies have billions and billions and billions of cash at their disposal. I don't have any predictions there because it is just so new and unfolding so quickly, but I am watching that super closely. And I guess, I guess that's yeah. only thoughts to share on Microsoft. Just a really mixed yeah, feeling. I agree with you. Like if I were a Microsoft shareholder, it's not a quarter that I would sell on. <clears throat> Personally, I've been waiting to enter a Microsoft at a cheaper price. I'm not getting it. That's fine by me. Um, but yeah, I'm not a buyer here. I think it's got to come down more for me personally before I would like to buy it. I just think there's better opportunities out there. But as you said, great business. Um, it's not going anywhere. It's going to be here for the long haul. Um, in regards to chat GPT, Google has been putting out a bunch of different blog posts on their AI. And I believe they said they're, they're planning to launch something like 20 new AI products this year. And it's an, it's indirect response to chat GPT and everything going on there. So we're going to see the rumors about the founders coming back, Larry and Sergey. There are really real rumors that they are in meetings at Google office. They are, this is not confirmed, but that would be wild if they announced that they were coming back. They're like doing layoffs and it's like the original OGs come back in, start like looking around me like, we're going to like, you know, turn this back into a startup, having people stop, rest and invest. You know, I got engineering friends there and they're like, I'm going to overbellish this. They're like sipping pina coladas on their roof, just working four hours a day. I'm like, you know, the economy is not working like that anymore. So well, we'll see what happens. I think, hmm, I think, I think Google's going to get much more efficient in this recession. If we get one, I don't know if we're going to get a, a major recession, but I think Google's going to lean up, get their, get their margins back up, get super profitable again. As I've been saying in 2008, their earnings per share went up dramatically because they were like, okay, we're going to stop spending on all the fat. We're going to focus on efficiency again. And their EPS rose during the Great Recession. I think we're probably going to see something like that again. Yeah, I think it's a good thing for the business. If the founders come back, I would love to see Google act more like a startup again. That would be incredible. Yeah. The only thing I'm not happy about is I was liking the Lullen share price. I actually was not a Google shareholder until it dipped under 100. And the last buy I made, I bought like six shares. I think at like 91. And the stocks just kind of ran. Same thing with Airbnb. So... I have not bought any shares since it ran up a bit. And I really hope that people think it sucks so we could like buy more cheap shares. But I guess we're gonna have to see what happens. I, I have full faith that they have a lot of products at their disposal that yeah. they probably should have launched earlier and they're behind the ball. But there's also a lot of legality issues around these AI products. And Google is very smart, at least tries to be in terms of getting ahead of the game of not being wrapped up in lawsuits and making sure that you have references when you give an AI generated answer of properly attributing back to the source. And we know that is a huge, huge issue right now with a lot of these tools coming out. So I think they're yeah. trying to be smart about it. Some of the stuff I've been seeing on Twitter is people asking chat GPT about certain political events or whatever, and it just giving out like completely false information. So in my opinion, that's probably why Google hasn't released anything like this yet, because, you know, they are the search engine leader by far and like, if they were to pr to release the product that was giving tons of false information like that, it would probably not be in their best interest. So I think they've probably just been like sitting on this technology and now it's like, okay, well now we got to do something about it. But based on what I've heard, Google has something much like far better than chat GPT. So well, well, let's see. not forget they acquired DeepMind back in like 2013, 2014. Yeah. And I was like, running that, that AI investment. Yeah. And I was, 
I was reading that DeepMind has like the majority of the top AI experts working for them. Like Google, it was over five years ago, changed to saying we are now an AI company. Like we're not an advertising company. We are going all in in AI. And then with their recent blog posts, they've basically said, yeah, we're going to release 20 products this year and like show you that we are the leader in AI and like we're not going anywhere. Uh, I don't know if you're frozen for everyone else, but you cut out a little bit there. I'm going to ask the chat how your video quality is doing. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Daniel is in Asia. You can tell by the beautiful elephant shirt. Thank you so much for wearing that. I'm really excited for you to bring me back so many elephant t-shirt souvenirs. I'm just waiting for them. It's all right. Thank you. You're the best. Um, I'll let it, you're coming in fine now, but you know, it, I think it is way too early to discount Google in my personal opinion. I mean, this company's a powerhouse. I, yeah, I, I think it's just a little bit silly for people to see chat, chat GPT and say, Google's dead. A anyway. Yeah. I, know, I don't buy it. Personally, I just don't buy it, but, um, I do have actually, you know what, before we move on, let's, let's answer some questions in the chat because we've been getting a lot. Shout out to the mm -hmm. chat crew. I see a lot of repeat names too. And everyone. Yeah. Um, I am going to answer this one quick. Bam, what dividend payout when? I believe they're going to start paying their dividend in the first quarter of 2023. And when they announce their earnings, I believe they're going to out, sorry, they're going to announce their earnings in early February. And when they do, they should officially announce their dividend. Right now they haven't officially announced it. So it's not on any platform. Um, to find the dividend, you have to go into their internal documents and look for it. So also, I think that's why there's a little bit of an opportunity there, but it should be should be when they report in the next couple of weeks. I got a good one here. So folks say Tesla is selling for a premium at every share price through its history. What's wrong with that? We want to, ver we want to be very clear here. There is nothing wrong with that, and the market will price a stock however it, it likes. Just using pure mathematics here, when you compare the multiples of Tesla on a free cash flow and earnings basis, it is trading at a valuation that is astronomical compared to its peers. What we are not saying is that that is wrong, but as value investors, it doesn't make us excited by it. And to be fair to the people who bought this stock back, you know, before 2020, they're doing pretty well if they held on. So everyone needs to come to their own conclusion if they think that this valuation is appropriate for the stock. Some people think it's going to be an energy company that basically takes over the world, which would make it pretty cheap right now. So I'm not sure if you want to add to that, Daniel. That was a great question. Just wanted to clarify what we meant there. Yep, agreed. Um, okay, I'm not seeing uh, too many more. I, I got one on cue if you want me to pick it. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Uh, obviously, I am a very energetic founder. Uh, we are more investing than trading, and we don't execute market securities, but Stock Unlock, definitely the best platform to screen for stocks, track your portfolio, make watch lists, and just do fundamental analysis on companies, which saves you a ton of time. If you're a newbie, we have an education mode that defines everything on the site. It's very subtle and fun to use. We are not financial advisors, so we cannot advise you on a brokerage. And also depending on where you live in the world, there are lots of different rules and places where you can execute trade. So we cannot answer that side of the question, but definitely check out Stock Unlock if you have not yet. Okay, we got a, oops, what happened? Okay, we got a, we had a question right here. What price is too high for BAM right now? Um, I guess that really depends on what you think the future outlook of the business is. Personally, I think it's getting to about fair value now. Um, yeah, that's just my opinion. I would use our discounted cash flow calculator and stock unlock. Go and input what you think BAM can do in the future and see what the compounded annual growth rate is based on your estimates. And if you're happy with the compounded annual growth rate that you have calculated out, then 
maybe it's looking undervalued to you, but that question or the answer should change from person to person based on what you think and what compounded annual growth rate you're looking for. If you're looking for 15%, probably not a good stock right now, 10%, maybe 8%. Yeah, it's probably going to do 8% from here, in my opinion. I have one more good comment for us to, uh, I guess, end on on this comment thread and then we'll hop back into earnings. I also do see a lot of people requesting stocks to review. I will consider that stock talk input. And if we have time at the end, we love actually doing live stock analysis. But some of those questions just take a little bit long to answer. But probably best comment in the chat today. Talking about that shirt, Daniel, I'm going to keep bringing it up. Beautiful, beautiful shirt. Also, earn my turn. See you every week. Thank you for tuning in. And maybe we'll see a different elephant shirt next week. I can't tell if you're flexing or if you're showing us the shirt. Bro. I'm doing a 360 for you guys right now. <laughs> you look you look beautiful. You look beautiful. It's like a stock. I have not new. I have a green one, and uh, it's funny because I've been wearing these so much because I love them. And I I brought like eight other shirts to Asia, and Shelby's just like, you don't even wear them anymore. <laughs> so, we'll see. I love right. them. Let's get back on track here. Uh, we haven't talked about stocks for long enough. I'm starting to get itchy. All right. Okay, next one we're going to talk about is, let's do Intel. So I have three screenshots from Intel that I want to talk about. All right, so Intel's report in in a quick summary, it was not ideal, pretty bad. So their revenue dropped 32% year over year, gross margin dropped 14.5%, operating margin dropped 32%, and their operating income is now negative. In the fourth quarter, the company generated $7.7 billion in cash from operations and paid dividends of $1.5 billion. So what this sounds like to me is the company's like, oh yeah, our dividend is fine, you know? We're generating a ton of cash flow flow from operations that covers the dividend. Um, that's just kind of my vibe from that. But if we head over, oh sorry, wrong screenshot. If we head over to their cash flow statement right here, we can see that their net cash provided by operating activities almost dropped fifty percent year over year for the full year of twenty twenty two. Now, if we also look at their additions to property, plant, and equipment, this is their capital expenditures right here, twenty five billion. This means that the company lost $10 billion in cash flow this year, which means the business organically is losing money at this point. Now, if we scroll down, their payments of common stock dividends was $6 billion for the year. So they lost $10 billion organically, then paid an additional $6 billion out. This means that they're not paying the dividend with organic cash flow. So then my question always becomes, where is the cash coming from? How are they paying this dividend? Where's the money? Exactly. So right here, we can see they sold $48.7 billion worth of investments. Um, they also sold equity investments of $5 billion. They divested. They had some divestures of $6.5 billion. They issued some debt right here of $4 billion. They issued more long-term debt of $6.5 billion. And that's basically how they're affording to keep the business afloat right now. What's their cash on hand currently? I think it's about $11 billion. I don't have a screenshot of their their balance sheet. But basically what they're doing is they're selling off assets and taking on debt to continue paying this dividend while the company's burning, you know, $10 billion a year and the fundamentals are declining. Now, on top of all this, their stock-based compensation increased by about 55% year over year. So while the business's fundamentals are declining and it's losing money, the insiders are making 55% more year over year, which uh, I don't know if I love to see that. <laughs> yeah, that Sounds pretty bad. I did not get a chance to look at Visa earnings, but the quick 15-second summary that you just went over is they're making less cash. 
they're still paying dividends, they're giving stock comp to employees, and they're getting that money through debt because they're not making it organic. And selling off their assets. Yeah, and this is one of those industries too where I know Visa is a huge company, but for example, my girlfriend just started working at a startup that deals with credit cards. I know that there's a lot of venture capital money going into this space and a lot of disruption that's happening in terms of how consumers are able to spend and leverage you know, just different companies here. So it's an industry that's hard for me to understand. And with huge companies like this and seeing their financials go down, I'm not excited at all to invest in that business personally. Not financial advice, but... Yeah. And what I don't like is like the company should just cut that dividend right now. Yeah, it may hurt the stock in the short term. The stock will probably drop, but there's only so many assets they can sell. And right now their assets are dropping and their debt is going up. So the balance sheet is being leveraged up to continue paying the dividend. It's like, why not just cut the dividend out right now while you're investing in your business fundamentals are declining and then reinstall it in the future when things improve? Also, Daniel, I'm super embarrassed because I thought you were just talking about Visa. Are we talking about Visa or Intel? This is Intel. Yeah. Well, that's embarrassing. So anyways, I said Visa before. I should have said Intel. That's what happens when you're live. <laughs> wow. No, no. Visa, Visa is an incredible business. This is I'm, not Visa. I'm looking at the chat and I think I'm confusing people because I said Visa and I started talking about credit cards and people are like, what are we talking about here? So yeah, I'm an idiot. Sorry about that, everyone. I actually was going to say to... Intel is one of those businesses. I actually want to share my screen for this because Peter Lynch is one of our favorite, favorite, favorite investors. And he has a quote about businesses like Intel. Buy only what you understand, believe in, and intend to stick with, even when others are chasing the next miracle. So when you pull up a company's 10K, it can be very clear, very opaque. Here is Microsoft. First page. By the time you're at the second page, there's like, here's our financials. Boom, boom, boom. And they start directly talking about the business. I open up Intel's 10K. The first couple dozen pages of this are just, well, first they have a couple pages of disclaimers, but we are an industry leader. And then they go on some marathon conversation about their strategy and like all the different things that they're doing and building. Like they're not really, they're basically dancing around the fact, like you said, that they're losing money. I just kind of wanted to show this just as for other people in the chat to see, like for me personally as an investor, if your 10K is really hard to read and things are opaque and salesy, this is the case with Carvana as well. It just gets me really turned off to the business. I just want that's to- also, That's also why I highlighted the fact that they said their cash from operations was 7.7 billion and their dividend was 1.5 billion. They're trying to give you the picture that everything is fine under the hood of the business. But when you, look, when you take a look at the actual cash flow statement, it's like, this is not good. <laughs> like you guys- are doing some financial engineering to pay this dividend right now. Yeah, and, and I'll say something a little bit provocative, and this is coming from someone who loves to code for a living. I think that 99.9% .9 of Intel shareholders literally don't understand the underlying business in terms of how do you actually make a processor? What's the supply chain like there? Especially in high tech, things are moving so quickly and following Moore's law. I don't think that I would be comfortable making a five to 10 year bet here on like what the industry is going to look like in terms of compute power, how computing is done, even things in terms of advancements and how these chips are made and different ways to like generate processing power. I'm not trying to say processes are going away. I'm not trying to say Intel is going away. But what I do want to push on people is this is one of those businesses where unless if you read that entire 10K and unless if you understand the five, six different aspects of their business and their whole logistics setup. And I was just reading some of 
what they were talking about is like our quad core like quantum like dsl like photo optics generator and i'm just like i have no idea what you're talking about and respectfully maybe i'm not smart enough to get this but that's fine because i'm going to stick with businesses where i can actually explain to a five-year-old what they're doing and how they're generating cash so a little mini rant from me and i'm not trying to push anyone's buttons here if you are an intel shareholder but i do think that's an important thing to recognize with businesses that have incredibly complicated products and outside forces that they really can't control in terms of technological advancement will they stay on the front of that curve maybe it looks like they're investing a lot in it i know that they're building out a lot of new chip factories maybe this is a good buying opportunity if you do understand it they're going to grow a lot in the future but i i was having trouble getting a handle on that yeah i agree all right now we're talking about visa so the reason I like to pay attention to Visa's earnings is because they give a lot of information about the overall economy and how the consumer is holding up. And consumers basically drive the economy forward. I believe consumer spending is something like 70% of the US GDP. It's ridiculous. So I like to pay attention to Visa's earnings just to see how much money people are spending out there. Um, and we can see right here, their revenues were up 12% year over year. In net income earnings was up 6%. And on a non-GAAP basis, this is basically saying if currency fluctuations didn't exist over the past year, their earnings would have been up 17%. Payments volume is up 7%. Cross-border transactions is up 31%. And process transactions is up 10%. So it looks like people are out there spending a record amount of money. I have a question for you, Daniel. Does that factor in inflation or does that matter here? I don't know the answer to that question, but inflation has been running rampant. But when you compare consumer spending to like a few years ago, don't you have to take inflation into account if the dollars that people are spending are worth less than they were before? Like, I wonder if you factor that in what the percent changes. Yeah, it definitely factors in. But um, I, I believe, let me just confirm this. I believe in this screenshot, they say processed transactions so the amount of transactions happening this is not inflation so the amount of transactions that people are doing is up 10 percent. so people are buying more and do they look at like the average spend on each transaction or are you saying that's not too relevant but i mean that makes well, they don't report that F fair enough no that's a that's a good way to look at it but anyways um so i thought that this was also interesting right here so this is the u.s payment volume of growth so we can see this is measuring the growth rate. So the growth rate, it's still growing. The growth rate has not been negative, but the growth rate has been declining since last February. And it basically came down to a growth rate of about 10% in December. But now in January so far, um, it's just like, it's, it's exploding. People are buying more for some reason in the new year right here. Not really too sure what that's about. Well, that could be for the holiday season. It was after the holiday season. It was in January, not December. So after the holidays. And then what we see here is the cross-border volume index versus 2019 is basically exploding. So when I looked into Visa's earnings, the majority of their revenue growth right now is coming from people traveling. So basically what happened is after December, after the holidays, people went traveling. And, you know, I'm a perfect example of that. I'm traveling right now. I'm spending on my Visa. Visa's getting a lot of money from me right now. You're also at Airbnb. Airbnb is correct. And Airbnbs as well. Keep supporting one of my favorite stocks. I love it. Back yeah, basically, basically what I'm basically what I'm seeing here is like people are still spending a record amount of money. People are traveling a lot right now, me included. And you know, it doesn't really like if the consumer was hurting so much, which has kind of been the narrative recently. Do you think that a lot of people would still be spending record amounts of money and traveling at record rates? 
I don't think so. It's a hard question to answer. I think consumers also don't usually make the best decisions. And I've seen a lot of people put themselves in debt and things like that. So it's hard for me to say. What I do feel comfortable saying is it does not feel like we are in a recession. Some people are calling it a white collar recession and the economy is so big that just using the broad term recession, in my opinion, is challenging because you could look at different areas of the economy and say, well, housing is coming down for its highs and like a lot of big tech companies and stuff are laying off. But if you look in other industries, things kind of, kind of seem fine or there's even price wages happening and increase going up for more like blue collar work. So are things going to get automated by AI in the future? You know, I, I think you could ask a hundred different economists and you get a hundred different answers. And those are people who are studying this all day. Anyways, the, to end this rant, I think this is why we love just focusing on individual companies because yeah. it makes things a lot easier to understand. I, yeah. So we just looked at Visa, right? They're a credit card company. So as you said, people may be making bad decisions on their credit cards, whatever, spending more money, right? This report right here came from JP Morgan recently. Check this out. So this is the bank issued credit card data. This is the charge off rate right here. So we can see that the current levels of charge off rates in January of 2023 is 1.16%. Before COVID, it was 2.3%. So the amount of credit card debt going bad is about half of what it was pre-COVID. And during the great financial crisis, it was 10.6%. So right now it's one tenth of what it was during the great recession and it's half of what it was pre-COVID. So, One thing that really scares me is the buy now, pay later stuff too, because that is a huge booming industry that got tons of venture capital dollars. Like I wonder, like, is the buy now, pay later being accounted for in that? Probably not. And then like, how many consumers bought things and they're saying, oh, they bought it. Like, do you count that whole purchase of like, oh, they're spending it? I, I don't even know how that's going to come through in the numbers. I don't know if we see that in Visa earnings, like, even the patterns of how consumers are spending are like also changing. So not to continue going back to my previous points, like there are so many things flying around there. Like it's really hard for me to just like draw like yeah, a sentence conclusion. Yeah, you know, and you, you can't look at one data point and be like, oh, we're in a recession, we're not in a recession. Um, I'm just sharing things that I think are interesting, especially when the consensus lately has been like consumers are being gutted and like, I don't know. I, as you said, do what it wants. That that yeah. graph was super cool, though. I yeah, I like to as you said though. I like to just focus on fundamentals. Just full disclosure, everyone. Even if these numbers that I just showed on the screen were worse, I would not be doing anything different in my portfolio. I would still own the same stocks. I would be buying the same stocks. It's just I don't know. It's interesting to look at. Do you want to talk about a a stock that you owned and had been buying that might have been bought out at a premium? Not sure that would be an interesting conversation start off with. We also have lots of stock uh, suggestions in the chat. Looks like we do have about 15 minutes for stock talk. So what do you want to do, Dan? Yeah, I'm going to make a full video on that. But one of my stocks got bought out. It got acquired at a 180% profit to me. But I'm actually sad about it <laughs> because I thought the company was, I thought the company had, you know, potential to 10x over the next decade. So them selling the company for basically a 200% gain for me is like great in the short term, but over the long term, I think I'm actually going to make less money because of it, which sucks. All right. Well, a little bit of a cliffhanger there, but I guess if you aren't already, follow uh, Daniel Pronk and Stock Unlock on YouTube if you want to see those videos come out. Yeah, I'll make a full video. I want to do it justice because I think there's a lot of lessons there. And I'll keep going back to my overplayed joke about these elephant shirts. It seems like you have a lot of cash at your disposal then to buy me more souvenirs. That's great. 
No, I'm already looking on where I should deploy this cash next. <laughs> I'm researching one stock, but I want it cheaper. You, you want to pick the first stock from the chat here. And while you're doing that, I do want to let everyone know, we talk about so many stocks on our live streams and we get repeat stocks all the time. And that is on our fault. We have not really clipped up or labeled or tagged these. I want to let everyone know we are looking to and in talks with a few people to start clipping those out. So no timeline on that, but we do hope to build a video archive with timestamps and stock tags and things like that. So it'll be easier for us to link out and show you past stocks we've talked about because we do feel bad when we can't get to all the great suggestions in the chat or if there's repeats and you might've missed a past. Without farther ado though, and l let me know, Daniel, if your internet gets funky and like I can share and you can direct me, but it looks like it's working. Oh, I'm going to reverse that request on you. You let me know if my internet gets fucked. <laughs> when you can't hear me because your internet goes out, I'll be screaming at you that I'm scared and stranded on stream and have no idea what to do because apparently I can't even keep track if we're talking about Intel or Visa earnings. So <laughs> you're the person who uh, definitely keeps the boat going in the straight direction for uh, yeah, using an analogy there. But yeah, what, what are we looking at right now? Here's here's the analogy I would use. I keep the boat going straight. You keep it going quick. <laughs> so my thing is, it's like I'm one of those like infinite ideas people, and like a lot of them are bad. But because so many of them are like spewing out of me, you'll get some good ones. But yeah, good good friendship balance we have going here. But anyways, enough about us. Looks like we're looking at Home Home Depot here. Yeah. So this is my this is my main concern with these kind of stocks. Is like if you take a look at 2006 to 2010 here, this company lost about a quarter of its revenue. So when the economy is expanding, companies like Home Depot do very, very, very well. But when the economy is not doing so hot, their fundamentals can decline quite dramatically. Now let's go and take a look at the cash flow. So basically what I'm trying to say is like these companies tend to be more cyclical based on what the economy is doing and how it's holding up. So cash flow dropped from 7.6 billion to 4.4 billion. So that dropped like 40 to 50% during the Great Recession. It's starting to drop again now. I don't know why this is, because revenue is still going up, which would mean that their margin is going down, right? It should. Operating cash flow margin is declining. Yep. Did this happen in 2007? Yeah. And one thing I, I think we talked about before is just thinking of Home Depot as a business. People and businesses shop there to build stuff. We all know during COVID, everyone got that side project out of the way, people built the new deck, you had, you know, money coming through the door. You have to ask yourself, how often is that done? And for me, I don't feel confidence, like you're saying, Daniel, that going into this type of economy and the fact there was just already a boom in uh, consumers buying from Home Depot, like I, it's hard for me to see them continuing that growth. And as we know, all stocks move according to their fundamentals long-term. So it, it seems like we're seeing that unfold in these financials, I guess, right? Like, as you're pointing out. Yeah, yeah, ex exactly. So, and this is also what happens is like when the fundamentals are good, the company trades for, you know, a price to operating cash flow of anywhere from 13 to 15, it looks like. But when the fundamentals started declining, the market started selling off the stock and the price to operating cash flow got all the way down to five. So the market basically started valuing the stock at, what would that be? About a third of what it was when things were good. So... The market, in my opinion, tends to overreact because as we saw, the revenue dropped by 25%, but the price dropped by, you know, 70% or something like that. So buying it here might've been a good idea, but buying it right here, when the economic expansion is starting to slow down and the price ratio is high, I think is where the risk is. 
And then also you can see right now, like the off the price to operating cash flow is twenty four right now. So Whoa, if that's if some, yeah, so if some negativity does happen in the economy and things do slow down, I think that this would be a risky stock to own, in my opinion. I would like to buy the stock when things are bad and the stock is priced when things are bad. I do not think the stock right now is priced for bad times. I think it's still priced for good times, at least in my opinion. I will say one positive thing about Home Depot, just in terms of their business. In my opinion, and I'd love to see people agree or disagree with me in the chat. I think Home Depot has a really big moat. You know, like we're startup founders in order to build a business, get all those warehouses out, like be able to supply very like niche products, in my opinion, like huge pieces of wood, plumbing, like all of that stuff. Sure, like you can try to build a company like that, but I I personally just believe that they've built a pretty big moat for themselves. So, you know, if this is a stock that started crashing, it's hard for me to see them like going bankrupt or disappearing. So not excited today, but it's not a like never investment for me. But like at these prices, like you're saying, 24 price operating cash flow. That's I also just want to show you this is this is another thing I do not like right here. So and this is this is something I've noticed from a lot of these type of companies like Lowe's, Home Depot, and I don't know the other one. But this is what they do. So if you follow the cash flow, right? They made $13.2 billion in operating cash flow in the trailing 12 months. That's how much money the business actually made. And then a $3 billion goes to CapEx. Let's pull out our calculator quick. So $13 billion came in, $3 billion goes to CapEx. They have $10 billion left. Then they spend $9.3 on buying back shares, which gives them $700 million of cash left. And then they have a $7.5 billion dividend payment, 7.6 if we want to round up. So if you go minus 7.6 from that cash, it means they're using more cash than they make to buy back shares and pay the dividend. So the additional money is coming from debt right here. And it looks like it looks like debt. So basically this company is taking on debt right now to buy back shares and continue paying the dividend. Um, while the price ratio is at a pretty expensive place as well, which probably means their cash position is declining over time, which it is. So their cash position is declining because they're using up their cash to buy back shares and then their debt is probably going up as well so their debt is also increasing so basically they're leveraging up the balance sheet to buy back shares at a high price which i don't think is a good use of capital personally um i don't like to see it yeah i mean makes me question management decisions honestly yeah um we actually have a stock from uh i'm so sorry if i get this name wrong um Shijun, uh please correct me in the chat city uh you is actually in our Discord server, so it's great to see you here as well. Citibank is an interesting stock right now because on a tangible book value basis, this does look kind of cheap, but I know it's something that we dove into a bit. How do you feel about that one, Dan? Am I still sharing my screen? I am. Okay. Okay, let me hide that. Okay, so if you take a look at this, this is City right here. 2007 and 2008 was not nice to this stock. It dropped, it dropped 97%. <laughs> I love how you word that though. It's like, it was not nice. And like, dude, it, it was complete, like utter chaos, destruction. That is an implosion of market cap right there. Yeah. And then since 2010, the business is now up about 32%. Price to book is 0 0.5, 4% dividend yield, 7%, or sorry, 7 PE, 14% earnings yield. What's also interesting is Warren Buffett has been buying the stock. But really over the past, you know what, let's go and take a look at the dividends. Because over the past decade, it really hasn't delivered that much, I don't think. Um, if you go since 2009, when it was low, the stock, including the dividends, has massively underperformed. 
and it's basically massively underperformed, including dividends over all time frames. And just so everyone knows what we're looking at here, the black line is the SPY. So that is what most yeah. people consider the market or regular gains if you just invested in an index. So this compares dividend included returns and regular returns against the SPY. Yeah. The blue line is the stock returns plus dividend returns. And you can see it's it's consistently been below the SPY. So the stock has consistently underperformed the SPY. Um, looks like they've held the dividend since uh, 2019. But what's interesting about this business is they're just not really freaking growing like at all. If we take a look since 2010, like the revenue is actually lower than it was in 2010. So the business is just not growing. Well, you said Warren Buffett is buying the stock, correct? Yes. So prediction, are they buying back shares with organic cash flow and not taking out debt? Because I've seen Warren Buffett do that a bit. Is that what's happening here? Yeah, so they're using net income to buy back shares. They repurchased a third of their shares since 2015. So they're buying back a ton of shares. So basically what's happening here is they're paying a 4% dividend. And then on top of the dividend, they're using all of their earnings to buy back shares. So this 13% earnings yield, they're basically giving it all back to shareholders, which means that at the share price today, the company can return to you about 13%. And then... Warren Buffett is probably thinking, okay, well, can the business continue doing that in the future? And he probably thinks, yes. So I don't think that he thinks, you know, the stock needs to like go up or anything like that, or the business needs to grow because on the price today, it's already giving you 13% back. So let's take a look here in the trailing 12 months, they've returned about 7% to shareholders. It got up to 16% here, got up to 30% there. But yeah, basically the company is giving you back 7% right now, including the buybacks. But I don't know. This is something for me where it's like, I understand why Warren Buffett could be buying this stock, but this is a stock that just doesn't make me excited. You know, like it's not growing. I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to look into it more, but I always, I say this on every stream, I feel. I just get so conflicted when you have the stagnant businesses, but they're like very shareholder friendly because that technically is shareholder value. So if you believe that they could like hold where they're at, I do think that there's a bull case there that you can get returns, especially if you really like yeah. what management's doing. And not that you should follow anyone's trades, but if Warren Buffett is buying it, that is a big sign of confidence. Not that he is always right, but yeah, I agree. Like yeah. even though Berkshire is buying Citigroup, personally, I wouldn't be buying it. It just doesn't excite me. Makes sense. Uh, so I'm usually the times are. It does look like we have about two minutes left. I know. Daniel, it is nighttime for you uh, over in Asia. We want to take maybe uh, one more stock from the chat. Uh, another thing I will do actually is there are so many stock suggestions here. We can't get to all of them. I am dropping the link to our free Discord in the chat. There is so many great conversations happening there with stocks. Lots of stock nerds in there, including us. So if you like talking about stocks and we didn't get to your stock today, join the Discord, join the conversation. We'd love to see you there. But back to you, Daniel. Yeah, agree. So someone asked, is Dental the stock that got acquired? In also, you're still sharing your screen. Sorry. All good. Um, no, it is not. This is not the stock that got acquired. I will talk about that stock that got acquired later. Dude, the cliffhanger is real. I will be following you for that video update. That's right. All right. Um, uh, let's do this one. Loblaws. L.T.O. Okay, I'll share my screen again quick. That's a really familiar name. Isn't that a consumer? company it's like a grocery chain up in canada okay so let's take a look at what's going on with them 
Have you looked at this one before, Daniel, or is this new to you? Because this, this is new to me. I've looked at it on my own because I own one of their competitors, but I do not own this stock. But basically, w with the price of groceries going insane with inflation, these grocery chains have done incredibly well. Like if you take a look back here in uh, February of 2021, this was a $60 stock. It's up 90% now. So it's done very well with inflation. But let's take a look at what's going on here. Okay, so we can see their stock was up 90%, right? But their revenue is up less than 10% over that time. What about their cash flow? Cash flow is also actually down over that time. So if we take a look at this stock's price, it's got to be getting more expensive. CapEx is remaining fine. Debt repayments. It looks like they're buying back a lot of shares, or if I was reading that correctly. Yeah, they buy back more shares than they pay in dividends. So $4.6 billion in cash comes in. They got 3.3 left, uh, $2 billion after paying for stock buybacks. So they're not taking on debt to buyback shares or anything like that. It's actually really good to see. Finally. I was like, I'm like why is this no. so normal? <laughs> I know. It's like, wow, they're actually not leveraging themselves for cheap returns. Okay. Uh, sure. Let's take a look at the price for free cash flow. Also, a pro tip for you, Daniel, if you want to just keyboard it in that input, you can backspace away uh, existing KPIs you've selected and things like that. Just a little developer hint for you. Wow, thank you so much. I got you, dude. Okay, so in February, so what happened? Okay, the stock ran 90%. Of the fundamentals did not grow with the stock. But basically right here, the stock was looking very cheap. It was actually the cheapest it's been in a decade. So a lot of that stock returns looks like it was from the business being priced back towards its mean because it was just very cheap right here. That's fair. Its current price to operating cash flow is 8.3. Average over the past decade has been 7.8. So it's probably selling more in line with how it has been historically. What is its free cash flow yield? So okay, the stock price jumped that much because they're just buying back a ton of shares. So each share goes up. I think, That's what I'm trying to figure out here. I think the stock price jumped, one, because the business is still growing, and two, because it just got really freaking cheap. Like, as I said, its price ratio got down to the lowest it's been in a decade. So I think I think the market was like being too bearish and then was like, oh, the stock's cheap, corrected it. So that's probably where a large portion of the returns came from. But again, yeah. the business is still growing. I mean, even when we say growing, though, like that's over a five, 10 year period. Like when we looked at the operating cash flow, it did seem kind of choppy for the, like the last year or two. Yeah. Interesting. Do you think that they have a moat up there in Canada? Like I am not familiar with this business at all, but what is the, you know, stranglehold on the consumer like for these different grocery chains? Like, do they have a good brand up there? Do they have to like face printing yeah. competition and things like that? Cause you, it sounds like you went with one of their competitors as an investment instead of yeah. investing in them. So maybe more directly, why didn't you choose this company versus the other competitor that you invested in? Uh, the other competitor, it was growing quicker and it was selling cheaper. And I just added it to the free form here. And the stock I ended up buying, which was Empire, their competitor, still has a free cash flow yield of 11.3% versus Loblaw's 8.5%. So on a free cash flow basis, EMP is still cheaper. And uh, yeah, really it just came down to EMP was the cheaper stock. Again, right here, the top line is, wait, sorry, the bottom line is EMP. But if we take a look, their compounded annual growth rate to free cash flow over the past decade has been slightly more than um, Loblaws, and it was selling for a cheaper price. So I decided yeah, to go. Yeah, that's really what it came down to. 
And I personally shop with EMP. They're my grocery chain. I use in Canada, so I know the business. Yeah. Well, I know that we get super nerdy about stocks. I think we have to send you off to bed, sir. It is getting late over there. I know that you have very full days. I know the chat's also super appreciative of the time you take out still while you know, you're out there traveling to come live. I know you and I look forward to this every week. So for all of you tuning in, we go live every week. Normally, we are more predictable on what time we go live. But for the next couple months, it'll be choppy. You know, Daniel is traveling Asia with spotty Wi-Fi. So thank you, everyone, for coming. Daniel, any last words before we hit the end broadcast button here? Uh, I guess I would just apologize for us um, changing the live stream last minute. We were supposed to live stream at a different time this week. And then the Airbnb I was at, the light, like my Wi-Fi was cutting out. So we had to change it to today now that I'm at a new Airbnb. So if you want to stay up to date with when the next live stream is going to be, again, go join our Discord because we will be, we'll send out a notification a few days before we live stream, before every live stream. So if you want to, if you want to know when they're happening, again, go join the Discord. All right. Well, see you all next week. Thank you for joining. All right. See everyone. Now I have a fun five or 10 second pause until the stream actually ends. I'm so awkward. Wait, did you hit end?